a good-looking young man. Uh, we love this guy. He's absolutely fantastic. This is Pete MacArthur. Why don't you come and share with us this morning? Give it up for P-Bag. <laughs> Thank you so much. just want to say that was the first and last time you'll ever see that character. I did it purely for the glory of God and no other reason. I got conned, but that's, that's good. Serving looks, serving looks different for everybody. I'd, I'd prefer, prefer it if that form of serving doesn't come back. Well, well it's my privilege. Um, for those of you who I haven't met, my name's Pete MacArthur. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's such a privilege to be able to share with you uh, the first segment in a four-week series called Mail from Jail. I don't know if you've ever received mail from jail. Uh, I hope maybe you've even written mail from jail. But uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote a bunch of his letters actually from prison. And how many of you know that what a person says and does when they're going under trial is, is of extreme importance? What a person says on their deathbed or when they're going through a, a difficult time is of huge importance. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, mail from jail. But I think uh, most people here have played the game Monopoly. Uh, I have to say, there is not a single game on earth that is responsible. Can I get an amen, somebody? I'm sure everybody here has been in that moment where either yourself or somebody else has been persecuted by all your family members, bled dry, and you get up and you say, I've had enough, and you flip the board (laughs) over on its head, and everyone's, of course, angry at you, but in that moment, it feels justified. My younger brother, when we used to play Monopoly, his main strategy was at all costs, to get Park Lane and Mayfair. No matter what, yeah, some, some of you, you can vibe with that. At whatever he had to trade, whatever he had to sell, he was gunning for Park Lane and Mayfair. But that strategy has a, has a flaw to it. Because the purpose of Monopoly, you win the game. You don't win when you get Park Lane and Mayfair. You win when you get the most money. And so it's, it's possible, like my younger brother uh, often experienced, it's possible to take your eyes off the big picture sometimes and onto a good picture from an old season. You see, it's it's possible that a strategy or or, or something that God has called you to in the past, if you take your eyes off the big picture and onto that, it can be the wrong thing. It can be the wrong strategy. We learn this when we think about maybe somebody who is so focused on providing. It's a thing that everybody should do. In fact, it's a thing that God calls us to do, but we can become so focused on the financial provision that we miss the emotional provision and the very reason that God has called you and your family together as a unit. He's called you together to be a family, and you can't take your eyes off the big picture of family life and focus on a smaller Version, uh, smaller component of that. To the parents who, are, who have young kids, we can be so focused on surviving the early days of childhood that we miss the significant moments that we have with our babies that are growing up all too fast. We can tell ourselves, I'll serve God when I'm older, maybe when I have a bit more time, maybe when I have a bit more money, and we can miss the moments that God has placed for us right here and right now. It's possible to focus on the wrong thing. 
My message for you as we look at Philippians chapter one, there are four chapters in Philippians and we're gonna do one every week. Uh, This week's is, is chapter one. My message for you today is that you would ask God, God, what would you have me invest in this year? What is that thing or that part of your life that God will anoint and that he is calling you into so that you can know and be 100% sure that you are in God's will for 2020? You see, the apostle hope that he will be released. And there is a certain perspective that when people are facing death or extreme hardship that we're wise to listen to. And the perspective that you you hear from people who are on their deathbed or going through hardship is about what really matters. What time again, I would lift this bit differently. And what they're really saying is this portion of my life is significant. I wish that I had done things differently. That bit is what really matters. And what I want to tell you today is that to the Apostle Paul, the only thing that really matters, the only thing that will leave a lasting impact is following the call of God on your life. It's following the call of God on your life. The thing that has consumed the Apostle Paul is the last words of Jesus when he says in Matthew 28 that we are to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This call has so captured Paul that when he finds himself broke, and some of us can uh, identify with being broke, when he finds himself lonely or in prison, worth it because I see my call. God's fulfilling my call, and even though my circumstances are not ideal, I know that I'm in the right place, that I am living what lasts. This is what Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1. Verses 12 to 14. It's on the screens behind me, and uh, it's actually not in your notes because we didn't get organized in time. It is in your notes. Oh, fantastic. We did get organized in time. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Now, Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. What a perspective that we see. I can imagine Paul saying something like this. I have got it really good here in prison. You see, they they bring a Roman guard who does not know Jesus into me every day and they chain him to me. He cannot get away. I can preach to him all day and he is literally chained to my body. It's great. What a witness. And you know what? If he comes back the next day, he's just going to get round two. But even if he doesn't come back, someone else is going to come and I'm going to be able to preach to them as well. And that's why in in Philippians it says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains. It says this in verse 14, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul found himself in a lonely place, a place that was probably the hardest thing physically he'd ever had to go through. And his boldness was infectious. 
as I was reading this passage, it occurred to me that there was there's something uh, deeply infectious about boldness and hope in the place of trial. And, and as, I was, as I was ruminating on, on this passage, it occurred to me, I actually believe this is prophetic for somebody, that if you are going through a trial at the moment, if you are going through a hardship at the moment, one of the best things you can be bold in your hope, to, to, to really pick up yourself and say, I am boldly going to believe in hope. I will have hope that God will make all things new in his time. I will have hope that he who has called me to the situation, to the season, that while it might not seem ideal, I will have hope that he will turn it around for his good. I will have hope that even though God, my heavenly father, might seem far off, I will have hope that he is actually right here beside me. From his prison place, what could have been a place of loneliness and despair, Paul said this in verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will be in no way ashamed, but will have sufficient courage that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to be to, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. From the scriptures here, we can see that Paul can categorize all of life into two categories. So for him, all of life splits into one of two categories. Either what will uh, what is earthly, what will one day fade away, and what is heavenly, what will go on living for eternity. And, and what I want is that to Paul, the only thing that will last into eternity is by doing what God has called you to do. To be obedient to the call he has placed on your life is the only thing that will last into eternity. Everything else will fade away. And he has called you to that family. So by investing time and resources and everything you have into raising your children is living what lasts. God has called you to give and to be generous. So by wisely and generously giving of your time and your finance and your other resources, you are investing into what lasts. Maybe God has called you to a particular workplace. And so by investing into the relationships that you have in that workplace is investing into what lasts. You know, one of my heroes is a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, you may have heard of him. He was a, a German theologian during World War II in Nazi Germany. And he was quite outspoken against the Nazi government. Because he was outspoken against the government, he was eventually martyred. And before, before he died, he was kept in prison. Somebody compiled all his uh, writing from prison, and it's been published in a book called Letters and Papers from Prison. And this is a quote from that book. The church is only the church when it exists for others, not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell men of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. In other words, in, in the mind of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, somebody who gave his life for Christ, legacy in life, what you leave behind, what is lasting, is not found in wealth. 
It's not found in importance or how far up the food chain you get in this world. What it is found is in how you've responded to the call of God on your life. My prayer for you, and I say this with all the boldness that I can muster, is for this week to take some time to seek God and to ask Him what He has for you in 2020 and to be bold and obedient in that. So with this in mind, I believe that uh, Philippians chapter 1 speaks to three things that I believe will encourage you as we go towards the face of God, asking God, what do you have for us today? This first thing is this, the call of God often seems backwards. The call of God often seems backwards. Now, earlier in this chapter, let me paint the picture for you. Paul has gone to prison, and he's had quite a fruitful ministry up until this point. And so there are other preachers in and around the community who are preaching Christ. And and Paul has got this problem because he's gone to prison and because he had such a fruitful ministry. One of of the things that has happened is that people who were also preaching Christ have started. You can imagine how the conversation might go. They said, you know, Paul thinks he's boldly preaching against Caesar, but I think he's actually unwise. He calls it boldness. I call it a lack of wisdom. It might also go, hey, doesn't God provide for the people for whom he has called? Where is is Paul's provision? God must not have called him after all. You can imagine people doing and saying things out of judgment against Paul because he was in prison. They're saying things like, because he's in prison, God must not have called you. They were preaching the true gospel, they were preaching God's word, but they were doing it for personal gain. This is why in Philippians 1 verse 17, he said, the former, that is the people who are speaking out against them, preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. What these people failed to realize is that God will often call you to something that on the surface looks like a backward step. God will often call you into a a time of hardship or put something on your life that is difficult to deal with and other people can look from the outside in and say, God is not with you, but let me tell you, friend, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell. God is with you. He is on you. His blessing will be shown in good time. Come on, can I get an amen, somebody? Hallelujah. Backward step. Maybe you know in your heart that God would have you give a high, an unusually high amount of money, perhaps, to somebody, to a cause. And your family say to you, that's crazy. Why, why would you do that? That's a backward step. But you know in your heart that that's what God is calling you to do. Maybe you felt to accept a job in another part of the country or perhaps even another part of the world. And, and, and people around you are judging you and saying, that's, that's not what what you would do, that's not a wise decision, but you know in your heart that that is God's call for your life. It might seem backwards, but you know that it's real. The call of God often might seem backwards. Maybe you feel called to serve below your experience level in your workplace or in church, and it seems like a backward step, but you know that that is where God would have you serve. Let me tell you to deeply encourage you this morning, if you find yourself in that place, that the call of God often seems backwards. For me, in my life, four years ago, I felt the call to do an internship here at church. 
on Christian leadership, and, and, and I'd left a, a, a well-paid and secure job to come and do an internship, which was neither secure nor paid, and, uh, and I remember sitting down with somebody, a, a fellow Christian friend of ours, and she was effectively telling me how foolish I was for the child. Uh, my wife was working, and, but soon would not be working, clearly, because we were having our first, and, and, um, and this lady was telling me how foolish I was for doing what I did, but that was four years ago, and right now I stand here as having seen God work time and time and time again, week after week after week, and I can testify to you that the call of God might seem backwards, but He will one day redeem it. He will one day bring it about to fruition. And in fact, I believe this is a word for somebody. Uh, you find yourself in a situation that you knew a season ago was the call of God, but now you're not so sure. Your situation is not how you pictured it, but let me tell you, the call of God is still on your life for it. Be bold, be courageous, persevere. God will break through and it's just around the corner. Second thing I believe that the Lord would say to us through this passage is that the call of God is often together. The call of God is often together. What, what I don't mean is this. I don't mean that just because you're serving in community or you find yourself around a group of people that you are fulfilling God's call. You could serve in community doing a range of things and not be in the call that God has for you. But what I mean is this, is that when, when God places a particular task or calling on your life, He'll often place around that actually, in order to fulfill all that God has for you, you need the people for whom He has placed around you. This is why Paul writes in Philippians 1 verse 18, he said, Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers... And God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. In other words, Paul is confident of his deliverance, confident that one day he will stand on the other side of his trial and see God having worked for two reasons. One, he knew that God would provide a way through the Holy Spirit. But secondly, it was through the prayers of his fellow Christians, which gave him confidence to be able to do that. Let me tell you today, if you're going through a trial and yet you're not in a small group, you are not as equipped for the battle that faces you as you could be. If, you're, if you need to be in a small group, we're starting our small groups just in a few weeks. You can fill out the Connect card on your, on your seat today or maybe even next week and someone will be in touch. We've got a great small group for you. The call of God is often together. Thirdly, the call of God is always worth it. The call of God is always worth it. When you're going through something difficult, I'll be honest, it doesn't look worth it. When you're going through a situation or you can look at the friends that you've lost because you've needed to pursue the call of God or you can look at the new home that you have to live in because you couldn't afford the old one by going into God's call, you, you can look at those things and say it's not worth it. In those moments, let me encourage you in faith that it is absolutely worth it. Paul writes in, first, uh, in Philippians 1 verses 12 and 13, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear to, all of the, to the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains 
for Christ. It is a faith statement to look at your situation and see, uh, and like Paul, instead of just seeing the prison, he sees his breakthrough. Instead of looking around and saying, God, I, I'm really doubting you right now. I don't know what you're going to do through this time. I, I'm chained to the floor. There are rats all around me. I've got nothing to eat. I've got the smelly soldier who is chained to me. Instead of looking at that, he looked at it and said, God, I am so looking forward to what you're going to do through this experience. He looks at it and says, this is not just wasted. These are seeds. Every day that one day do. Spoke to a new future and said that God, the one who had called him there, will continue to work in and through him to make it all work out. Let me tell you today, if you're in a marriage and you're going through a tough time, relationally, you know in your heart that God would have you get some help in that marriage. Let me tell you that it will be worth it. It might be difficult and painful to address the things of the past, but one day it will be worth it. It'll be worth it for you and your relationship, and it'll be worth it for the people and the children that are following in your footsteps. When God calls you to change roles or jobs in spite of a, lay, a, a large pay drop, you can know that what he will do in and through you will one day make it all worthwhile. Following the call of God on your life may seem expensive, might seem backwards, might seem lonely. But let me tell you, church, one day it will be worth it. And as the team come, I'd just love to share one final story with you. Jim Elliott was a young man called by a U.S. Bible, uh, American Bible student. And God called him to minister in the nation of Ecuador to the tribes there that had never heard the gospel of Christ. He teamed up with four other young men, and they took their families south to the However, God's plan often seems backwards. And for Jim, Elliot, and his children, and the other four chaps, their plan was definitely backwards. Because on their first face-to-face encounter with one particular tribe that they believed that God had called them to reach, Jim, Elliot, and his four friends were killed by the men that they were trying to preach the gospel to. Jim Elliot also kept a diary. You can imagine his, his wife with a young child going through his papers after he'd passed and finding his journal. Elizabeth was only in her early 30s, the little baby. No doubt she was feeling lonely, feeling confused, wondering why God had called them all the way to Ecuador just to take her husband from her as well as his four friends. You can just imagine her going through the diary and coming upon this diary entry that he had written. He wrote, It is no fool who gives away what he cannot lose. It is no fool to give away what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliot knew in his heart that at some point in his life, he needed to give his life. Whether it was a young man or an old man, his life was not his to keep. To exchange his life that he cannot keep in exchange for a lasting legacy which he cannot lose, which can never be taken away from him. Jim Elliot knew that following the call as God on his life often was backwards. He knew that he needed other people 
So they formed a team. But he had a deep conviction that whatever happened, that it would all be worth it. And now 70 years on, following the death of Jim Elliott and his four friends, life has showed us that countless thousands and upon thousands of people motivated to leave their place to serve as missionaries overseas following the example of Jim Elliott and his friends. Behind those thousands of missionaries leaves countless churches, major missionary organizations, tens and hundreds of millions of lives impacted for the gospel because one man and his four friends followed the call of God for the impact for the gospel. So let me ask you one last time. In 2020, what is God calling you to this year? If it seems like a backward step, let me pray that you feel bold and courage, have courage to go there anyway. If you find yourself in your call alone and you have no one around you to support you in there, let me pray that God would put people in your life who can encourage you in there. And let me encourage you that it will be worth it. You might not see it for years, perhaps even the rest of your life, but one day we will all be standing in heaven, maybe not dissimilar to this meeting. Your photo will come up. God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter your rest. You know, as we close today, maybe you're here today and you don't know this God that I've been talking about. Maybe you know in your heart that, that while you have walked with God in the past, He's calling you back home today. If, if that's you, I, I'd really encourage you just to lean in one last time. I would count it an honor if you would just listen to this last quote. It was written by somebody who's not a Christian, but I, I wonder if you might relate to what he has to say. He said this, I have a secret that nobody knows. My secret is that I need God, that I am sick and can no longer make it alone. I need God to help me give because I no longer seem capable of giving. I need God to help me be kind as I no longer seem capable of kindness, to help me love as I seem to be beyond being able to love. Church, there was a time in my life when I knew that I needed a relationship with God. I knew in my life that I knew I needed kindness instead of anger, that I needed hope instead of despair. And I was in a church meeting not dissimilar to this, where God showed me that I needed a relationship with God for myself. Maybe you're here today and you know in your heart that you also need to know God for yourself. Let me tell you, it's very easy. It's, it's as easy as praying a simple prayer where we recognize that we've gone astray, we've gone done wrong things, and we've turned away from God. We accept forgiveness through Jesus, having died in our place on the cross. We thank God for the promise of a fresh start and new life in Him. As a church, as we close the service, we're gonna all pray this together. And if that's you, you just pray along out loud with everybody else around you. With every head bowed and God, I surrender my life 
to you. I know I've sinned, but I believe that Jesus, you died for me. I turn from my old life and I turn to you. Come in and be the Lord of my life and make me brand new today. I choose from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now with every head bowed and eye closed, maybe you prayed that prayer for the very first time and you know God is calling you in to have a relationship with Him or, or perhaps you've been away from Him and you've just prayed that prayer and you know that you need to come back. Would you do me the honor of just popping your hand up nice and high? I would love to catch up with you, talk about maybe a next step and getting a Bible into your hands. Is there anybody here today? If I can, when I can count to three, say one, God loves you. Two, He's got an amazing plan for your life. Three, would you put your hand up nice and high? Awesome, I see that hand. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much that you have called us into your service. And Lord, would 2020 be the afresh this morning? Yes, God, I will, call, I will go wherever you call me. I will do whatever you ask. As we respond obediently to that, Lord, I just pray that you would bless that, you would honor that, you would put your anointing on that so that we might make a real difference in the community of Whanau. In Jesus' name we pray.